This is Where I'm At, a podcast on health, wellness, and yoga. I'm Lauren D'Angelo. I'm a yoga teacher, writer, and a marketer, and I will be doing the interviewing of my teachers on this podcast. The important people in my life who have taught me and helped me and shaped my life into what it is today. If you listen to this podcast, you can expect to hear talks on health, wellness, yoga, and lifestyle. This is a fun, lighthearted podcast where my hope is you learn something new that you can take away and implement in your life. Plus, you get the added bonus of getting to know local yoga teachers and those in the health and wellness field in the Boston area and beyond. I um, took some time to reach out to a dear friend that I met um, some years ago. Her name is Shauna Harrison. She is a health and wellness advocate, and she also holds a master's and a PhD in public health. And so, Shauna, thank you so much for joining. I know it was kind of last minute. I just reached out to you on a whim to um, talk to me today about the coronavirus or COVID-19. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And so we were just kind of chit-chatting prior to me starting the recording. And obviously, you know, every single day with this is brand new. It feels like it's just a new way of life for, for now, right? Temporary as we know it. Um, but like, just can you share your thoughts on COVID-19 and like having the background that you have, you know, like I know you are a yoga teacher and, and you are an instructor um, and you have um, the public health background, which is really why I wanted to talk to you. Tell us your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I think number one, it's serious, but number two, it's not panic worthy, nor is really anything I think <laughs> panic worthy in the way that people are, you know, sort of taking it right now. Um, but, it, you know, I feel like one of the things, so I studied health communication, which was partially related, mostly for me, it was chronic disease prevention, but my dissertation um, data, which was on the coverage of health and television news, but it was um, specific to Spanish language news, uh, happened to catch the H1N1 outbreak. So I actually had some background with, you know, sort of seeing how the media covers things. And because I was, I was looking for sort of the Latino health side of things and H1N1 was you know, there was this tie to Mexico. And so there was all of the sort of issues with racism and, and issues testing and not wanting to be deported and like all of these things came up, right? And so it's like, there's a lot of panic that happens in the media that we don't want people to, you know, sort of go that direction. But we also want to make sure that people understand that it is serious, that it's not just like, oh, we're making a big deal out of nothing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the tricky things with public health because I was actually just... Um, looking at something from my advisor and a few other people that uh, I know from, from when I was in school, you know, when it works, it seems like everything's over sensationalized, right? Like, oh, we made such a big deal about this for nothing. And now look, that yes. means that it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the tricky thing, right? Because it's like, people be like, oh my God, we're making such a big deal about this. It's so nothing. It's like, blah, 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 you know? And it's like, well, if we actually make a big deal about this and we You're do all written. of these things, Yes. It will seem like nothing really happened. Yeah. I never thought about it that way, Shauna. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those tricky things with public health where it's like, you know, we don't always do everything correct in public health. This doesn't, it doesn't always work perfectly, but you know, when it works, things just go back to normal and everything seems like nothing happened, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. the reality is 
you know, it takes a lot from all facets of public health to make this kind of thing simmer down. And, you know, I was reading something earlier today that, you know, because it is a new virus, we don't really know exactly how it's going to play out. You know, we have, we have a little bit of information from, you know, China and Italy, they're a little bit ahead of us in terms of where they're at in the disease. We know, is this just going to become something that eventually, not now, but like after this first wave, because it's not going to just go away, right? After this sort of first wave, is it going to be something that then sort of lingers on for a while and like everybody kind of becomes, you know, we don't even know if once you have it, you're immune to it. We don't, there's so much that we don't know that yeah. it's really hard to tell like what's going to happen. So yeah, my, my number one thing is it's serious. We need to take it seriously. You know, we need to take all of these precautions, which honestly we should be taking on a regular basis, but most yeah. of them at least, maybe not the like, social. Like social. washing your hands? <laughs> washing your hands. Yeah. Maybe not the social distancing on a regular <laughs> basis, but the washing of the hands and the like being aware of how you're spreading your germs and other people are spreading their germs is, is something that we should carry forward mm -hmm. every time this happens. Yeah. So one of the things that I originally was reading up on when this first started was, and I'll be honest, like I was one of the people that at the beginning was kind of like, oh, I don't, I knew it was there, like it was in my peripheral, yeah. but I was not really paying attention. Um, and my little sister actually was the one who kind of was like, okay, Lauren, like you need to pay attention to this. This is actually like a real thing. And the more I kind of did do the research on it, the more I kind of was like, okay, I'll pay a little bit more attention to it, but I'm still not like totally convinced, right? Like now I get it. Like now I'm paying attention. Now I'm kind of like, all right, it's serious. It's for real. I'm going to definitely pay more attention to it. But what, what could we have possibly done, right? Like, is there anything we could have done to prepare ourselves more for something like this? I mean, that's a really tricky question because in the beginning, especially for a new virus, it's not, it's not like the flu viruses that we see yeah. on a regular basis that are seasonal that we can, you know, create um, vaccines for that we can, you know, have all of these things in place. Like this okay. is something that's new. Okay. And, you know, in the beginning, it's hard to tell number one, what it's going to do, like how, how, to how, react. how yeah. serious is it? Like, you know, how easily is it spread? Like all of those types of things that we, it's hard to say, like, uh, could we have, I mean, could we have washed our hands more? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, if would have prevented yeah. this, we don't really know. Right. Like, right. right. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people in the very, very beginning, you know, cause it, it started to hit the news a little bit like January. Yes. Um, and you know, a lot of people were just like, okay, whatever. Cause there was no cases near us. Right. No. I mean, it, it, that was, very, very early on. And I actually went out of the country um, and didn't quite realize how, how impactful it might be until I, I was actually in international airport. And I was like, oh, okay, people are, people are really uh, concerned about this already. And this was end of January. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime we hear things like this, we need to take them seriously. But again, it, the, the issue with health communication and public health is that you don't want to scare people. Scare tactics don't work. And I think that we've seen numerous times over the last few years that scare tactics are things that people like to use. Yes. And in cases like this, they, you know, they don't work. 
and they create this, you know, sort of panic that then when people are in that mode, they're not making sound decisions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, beyond just like we're buying up all the toilet paper, but, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. So what about, what is the difference between, one of the things that I keep hearing on the news when I do actually turn it on is it's being referred to as a disease, like this disease, and that, but it's actually called a virus, right? So like, how is this different than if I had the common cold versus the flu versus H1N1? Like what? I don't know. I guess I still in my mind, even though yeah, like yes, I get it. It's a big deal. I I'm I'm there. I'm with you. Do yeah. we call it a disease? Is it a disease? Uh, I mean, from what I've seen, it's been called a virus, right? Like I I feel like I should probably know a little bit more specifically about the, the difference in using those two words. Yeah. Um, but I think. I mean, you can fact check me on this, but like, I'm pretty sure disease is sort of a broader term. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but the difference between say this and like the flu, mm -hmm. you know, they have some similar symptoms like the fever, the cough, the muscle aches, the things like that. But <laughs> there's, um, there's a lot more issue with sort of the shortness of breath and like the, the lung capacity situation with this virus. But I think the most important thing in terms of the differences, which is not necessarily symptomatic, but like it, this disease is like 10 times, this was from a couple days ago. Who knows if the information yep. has changed since then, yep, totally. but it was said that it was like 10 times more deadly than the influenza. Right. Virus. Um, and there's no treatment yet. We have no um, vaccine. We don't, have, like I was saying before, we don't, we don't even know what the complete picture is. And so that's what is going to make the bigger difference between this and say the flu. And obviously the flu is still here. <laughs> like the, the, the only upside to this is that hopefully we can keep the flu also at bay because we are taking all these other precautions for the, the COVID virus mm -hmm. that we can, you know, sort of also keep flu down as well. But mm -hmm. they, so they, this could be something that like long-term when you go to get your like flu shot, <laughs> every year if you get one that like w this could long term also be something that you have to get an immunization shot for or something to help kind of stop it from coming back like we really just don't know we right? really just don't know yeah i mean it very well could be you know yeah. um depending on i think the most important thing right now is you know because this is sort of the first wave hmm. of the virus and we're still trying to figure everything out you know, I'm sure you've heard the whole flatten the curve yes. <laughs> and, and seen the diagram, right? Like that's really, I think, the main issue that's going to make a difference in terms of the mortality rate with it. Because it's like, if we can't, if our system cannot handle the number of patients that are coming in at the like worst, you know, possible symptoms, mm -hmm. then it's going to be a problem. Yeah. You know, if we can keep those cases pretty minimal and keep it to you know, just self-quarantining and, you know, taking care of the populations that can, can actually have higher defenses against it versus like those who like, you know, like they're saying the elderly population right now, um, that can't really defend themselves as well. You know, their bodies for whatever reason are reacting to it more. So I think that that kind of thing is going to be that sort of flatten the curve concept is what's going to 
really help us if we can maintain that. And then, you know, once we get it sort of under control in that way, that's just like the first wave. It's going to come back around, but hopefully, you know, the, the idea that we can, we'll have a better yeah. either system in place or, you know, <clears throat> effective treatment ways of testing it, more tests, more, all of the things that, you know, we need in order to like attack it right away. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be better. Um, and then, you know, we don't know, it could be something that lasts, for a really long time and become something like the flu where there's a vaccine and, you know, and again, we don't even know yet if once you get it, if you're then immune to it again, right. Right. You know, we don't know that yet. And we haven't figured out the origin of it either. Right. Cause it was, there was speculation that it started in like a fish market or something like that in China. Right. That's the latest speculation that I've seen that it was some sort of, um, Move on. Animal market um, because it's a it's a virus that can be transmitted animal to human. Oh, again, yeah. you can fact check me, but I'm pretty sure that that's what the coronaviruses mean. Oh, okay. um, like that's the the category of viruses. Um, it's just that this is a new one, and we don't <laughs> we don't know anything about it. Right. Um, and you know, they it, there's a whole issue with once it spreads that way, you know, and we, we can kind of track it, then there's what's called the community spread, which means that people um, infected with the virus in a certain area, like they don't necessarily know where they became infected, which would be kind of where we're at right now, you know, and most, for most of the U.S. at least, like you could have it and you don't know, and you don't know where you got it. And you don't know who you can begin. And that's what's called community spread. So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So, one of the thing, one of the main, again, one of the main reasons why was because of your public health background. So thank you for that, like quick tutorial on like navigating through just what this means exactly and why it's different. But the other reason, obviously, is because you are you are a teacher and an instructor, and so you know one of the things that I think we've both seen in this industry, being in this industry, is there's, you know, we kind of went down from recognizing it was there and disinfecting more between classes, right? And this is all in the matter of a week, right? So then, yep, yep. The, bump, then the bump was, okay, we're still going to stay open. We're still going to disinfect, but we're going to limit the number of students that we actually have in the class to try and keep that radius of, I think it's three feet between people. Yep. And now today and last night, it's really moved to, um, you know, closings, not all but some studios and even gyms have decided to close and so you know what do you think about that what what is your perspective with your background well you know it's interesting because like you said (laughs) like it's literally changed this week so the other day i you know i wrote something up about ways to kind of protect yourself and protect other people within a gym or studio space because you know there's I think that there's extra things that we don't necessarily consider in those spaces or that the, the general advice isn't going to necessarily include, yeah. um, you know, big classes where, you know, people are interacting with each other during class. Like then you have the interaction with the people high-fiving, fist bumping, and, you know, sharing equipment and, and in a class format, you don't necessarily have time to wipe things down in between, in between. right? Like it's obviously something, I mean, I think, I think it is tricky, you know, like so far, at least as, again, as of what I read in the last day or so, I, they don't, 
think that it can spread through sweat. So that's good. But the problem is, is that in a, in a class, especially in some of these higher intensity classes, like it's passed through droplets, right? And if you're breathing heavily (laughs) and you know, like you're in close contact with all these people and like, who knows, like if you're your droplets are getting on their treadmill or on their bench or on their whatever, you know, like that, that's where it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of like the, the respiratory. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that the gyms and studios have a responsibility to like really make sure that they're creating a safe environment. And I get it. Like, especially for the smaller studios, you know, boutique fitness is like booming right now, which means there's a lot of, I don't want to call them mom and pop because they're not, but like smaller, you know, studios that, that don't necessarily have the big global backing of some of the bigger brands um, to even be able to sustain themselves if they have to close or cancel classes or like whatever. So I get the, the fear in that, yeah. but at the same time, you don't want to be the hotbed for, <laughs> for where yeah. the virus like took off That's in your right. area, you know? And I think, with people <laughs> the hot spot, work, right? like the, yeah. Totally. Yeah. with people out of work and kids out of school and you know people have more time so they're like oh I'm gonna go to the gym you know but like chances are if you're out of work or out of school that's because there was some sort of exposure and or they're trying to keep it from being you know like there's some issue in your area and so you know I just think you have to be like super aware obviously but like I don't even I don't even know how to describe it like I just think there has to be so much thought about others in this, in this case, because, you know, I, I was talking to, cause a couple of people reached out to me after I, I posted that and, you know, some people who own gyms or whatever, and they're doing different things. Like the school that was closed because there was, um, you know, someone who was confirmed case. Um, they are not letting anybody who goes to that school or whose family who has a kid that went to that school into their gym, you know, because they're like, I don't, oh, don't want. Wow. So they're actually monitoring it to the point where they're asking yes. people. Yeah. In that area. Wow. Specifically. You know? And I mean, I think a lot of places are not allowing the kids who are out of school to come in. I mean, not that young kids are generally <laughs> going into the gym studios, but you know, sort of the, the middle, middle to older kids. College kids. I mean, um, there's, here in Boston, there's been a ton of colleges that have let out. Right. And yeah, that would make sense because just like Christmas break, just like summertime when they're home from school, they definitely come into the studios that I teach. Right. So you're right. I mean, what college kid when they're home from break doesn't want to take a nice stress reliever and go to the studio with mom or even dad and just like take a break, even their friends, right? So right. I totally hear that. I mean, I, I but yeah. you're right. I mean, if we don't if we don't know whether or not we are currently carrying this or if we've been exposed because it takes 14 days, if your college was let out, you, you could possibly be then coming into a studio, right? Just like, I have no idea if I was exposed two weeks ago when I was traveling, right? Like I was in DC, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so it sounds like, you know, there, while there are different things that studio owners and even teachers, right, like can do, it does feel like there's this like, responsibility of being a health and wellness advocate to say like, Hey, like we're really being asked to only in emergencies, basically be, be around each other. You know, different areas obviously have more of a situation than other areas. Like, you know, I think 
the best thing that people can do is just pay attention to the proper authorities and like really listen to what they're saying um, so that, you know, not everybody is like bumped right next to each other, you know, like mat to mat or treadmill to treadmill or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, that's obviously something you can do if you're going to remain open for a little bit longer, but we also don't even know. It may come to a point where they're just like, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, 20 people or more can't be around each other. Who knows? Totally. So, um, what, what else are the key things? I mean, it sounds like we've kind of talked a little bit about like limit the class size, maybe take a, you know, take consideration from where, where people are coming in. But when you say like, the proper authorities from a public health perspective like the people that you want to listen to are the who mm -hmm. the cdc um you know your your state public health department um you know obviously is going to be involved with whatever's happening with the cdc um you know part of this is just because i went there but like they they tend to be very very um good at at getting information out johns hopkins um you know they have like a whole website and I think uh, Harvard does as well at some of the universities that have schools of public health um, you know have dedicated areas of their websites um, just like the CDC does uh, and they, they tend to have like really great information Hopkins I always go to just because I know you know I mean it's it's the number one school of public health there was at one point <laughs> so and Harvard's Harvard it's usually back and forth between Harvard and, and Hopkins so like you okay. know if I'm going to look for information I'm going to go to the top of the top Okay. Um, and I also happen to know people who, who work there, obviously, because I, I went there, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think listening to those types of voices versus, you know, media gets some of their information from there, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and from, you know, other, other sources as well. But I think it's, it's tricky to know who to listen to in the media sometimes. And yeah. by sometimes, I mean really all the time. Totally. And there's been so many little articles that have popped up that I've seen. Some yeah. of them, you know, and again, we're, we're learning as we go. So I know it's like positive intent and it's not, it's not like purposefully being deceitful, but like, you know, some of it's like, oh, it, it dies in the heat. Some of it's like, it only lives on metal surfaces. There's been so many different, right? Like, to right. But I, I agree with you that, you know, one of the key things that I've really tried to do is listen to the CDC and the WHO, but it's also good to hear you say like, John Hopkins is another place and Harvard is another place. You know, if I see articles pop up, that those were, those are good considerations as well. Yeah, they have, especially, you know, again, I know more about Hopkins than I do about Harvard, but like they have a very strong <laughs> department when it comes to, you know, infectious disease and the epidemiologists behind it. Like, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's very tricky because like, you know, not everybody wants to go and read those types of articles or websites or whatever, but like, you really can't rely on the the media to like do all of that research for you. And if you are going to like pay attention to what resources they're using, if they are using, you know, some of the, you know, more recognizable resources, then, you know, you can think about having a little bit more uh, faith in what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And some of them are, you know, like mm -hmm. obviously like some reporters do an excellent job at making sure that they're pulling the correct information and all of that. Some not as much. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Personally, I don't. E I have not even watched the news about this at all. And I studied the news, <laughs> you know, for my dissertation. But because I want, I want to. For me, I want to know from these sources, like. And they're also so up to date, right? They're gonna they're gonna be putting out stuff constantly, um, because because of the nature of how quickly things are changing. You know, like you'll see on their site, like updated yesterday, updated this morning. You know, whatever. So, so you're um, going instead of watching the news, you're going directly to the sites and you're researching it there. Yeah, and I ha I mean I have I have the good fortune of having friends who are epidemiologists at Hopkins, <laughs> so sometimes I see stuff on their pages, and then you know like I'll. I'll repost it on mine or I'll, you know, go and, and look, you know, like this morning I was actually on all of those websites. I was on WHO, CDC, Hopkins, Harvard. I looked a little bit at the Lancet too, which it was basically putting up stuff that are like the journal articles released about this. But if you're not so savvy to like a journal article, <laughs> you yeah. might not, you might not be that interested in something like that. But um, you know, there, there are a lot of, you know, really well-known sources and people that are trustworthy. And I, I know that a lot of people also, I hear this a lot, that people are frightened about the government and about this being sort of everything from a conspiracy to, you know, them, I mean, all kinds of arguments about yeah, that. Yeah. There's been a lot. There's been a lot. Yeah. And, and I get that too, in the sense of, Again, it comes back to fear. It comes back to you know hearing information that may or may not be correct, and then acting out of fear because we're all. I mean, it's it's scary. You don't want you don't want anything to happen to you, to your family, to your kids, to your whatever. You know, like I get it. Um, but when it comes to you know the CDC and the WHO, <laughs> like they're not they're doing this because they want to control the spread of this infectious disease. And I think that that's very important to understand. This isn't necessarily just the government trying to right. you know, yeah. do anything. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I agree with you. I think that's a really important point to make because I think at this point, it doesn't matter how it started. It doesn't matter if if it is you know some form of whatever that the government is doing it's out there and it's happening and our jobs are to try and stay as safe as we possibly can while it's happening. Right. Like, right. I think that is a really important thing to kind of, to kind of say. And I, I do, I do appreciate knowing that like, yeah, it's the CDC and the WHO. There's the areas where you can go. Um, and then the only other thing that I do want to ask is like, what do you think with regards to like where we are? Do you, do you think that, this is just the start. This is just the beginning. Um, do you think our numbers, like that curve, right? Like that curve that we do keep see seeing, do you think that we're in a good spot for it to like start to kind of die down? Do you think we're going to see a spike before we start to see it kind of come down? What do you think will happen? Um, I mean, it, it's very tricky to say. I, you know, definitely think this is sort of the first wave of of the virus, right? So it's like you're gonna you're gonna have an uptick in cases and hopefully not too many, but you know, deaths as well for the people who can't get the care that they need in time and all of that. But the hope is that if we can keep it, you know, from over overwhelming our health system, then we can 
you know, sort of keep this at a moderate level. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't foresee us being in this like high vigilant state for, you know, six months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, if I, if you ask me if I think it'll be gone in six months, no, it won't be gone in six months. Um, it may be way more under control. And yeah, yeah. That's the hope, right? Like that's, that's what we're, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're hoping for way closer than of six course. months. I mean, of course. That is a number, yeah. but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's, it's really hard to say like, and, and to be honest, it's all going to depend on how we act and react, mm. how quickly we can keep it from going out of control, right? Like if people pay attention and if people do the things that they're, they're, I don't want to say supposed to, they're being asked to do, they're being asked to do, you know, especially in regards to like, keeping the, the self-quarantining and, you know, taking, taking the personal responsibility, which is a lot to ask of people, I realize, but, you know, if, if we can do all of those things that we're, we're gearing ourselves up to do to keep it from spiking, like out of control for our system, then I think the chances that it kind of comes down sooner will be better because that's the thing, right? It has this like two week period that we, you know, we, we're still two weeks out from knowing what's happening right now <laughs> necessarily. Right. So it's like, if we can do the things that we're being asked to do, um, well, then hopefully it'll, you know, kind of die down. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not going to go away, but it, hopefully it'll die down a little bit. And then that's when people are going to be, <laughs> then it comes back to what I was saying earlier. People are going to be like, Oh, that was nothing. We got all this, you know, toilet paper and we got all uh, in a huff over nothing. And it's right. like, oh, we actually did all of those things. Well, maybe not the toilet paper, but we did all of those things, you know, for a reason so that it didn't get more out of control than it is, you know? And yeah. I think that's a really important thing for people to understand. And, you know, I don't think we've necessarily understood that about other diseases and, and viruses and things that have happened in the past. So I agree. I think that's like my number one takeaway from this is that, <laughs> you know, it feels like, oh, they were hyping. It was all a hype and look at nothing happened. It's like, oh yeah, that's the whole point, right? Like that's why, yeah. that's why you guys are doing what you're doing. So awesome. Well, thank Listen, thank you so much. I know I like, like I said, on a whim, I reached out to you and I was like, Hey, I want to know more about this. And I, I, you know, I remember meeting you one quick story about you. When we were in Costa Rica, it's a good one. And when we were in Costa Rica, um, we were, we like, we did a yoga practice under like this hut. And I remember yes. you taught one morning and it was like, it was one of my favorite yoga classes still ever. And I've been practicing. Really? Yes. I've been practicing oh. 11 years. It was just like a beautiful flow, beautiful practice. And I mean, we were in Costa Rica under this gorgeous hut. And I remember being like, wow, that was one of the best classes I've ever had. And it was taught by you. So oh, thank you. One of my teachers. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Of Stay course. healthy out there. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Thank <laughs> okay. you.